Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calico Field. Spiral patterns in nature are visually stunning to human beings. We notice the swirls and whirls in sunflower heads and on pine cones and even on cauliflower florets. There are many, many examples of these types of patterns, and over the years, scientists have begun to look at the mathematics that govern those patterns. But there remains a question of how the patterns arise in plant life. How does a sunflower know to position its seeds in just such a way? Today on the podcast, we'll talk to mathematician Matthew Pennybacker about his research trying to answer some of those questions and his most recent results, which he hopes will shed some light on this natural mystery. Leonardo Fibonacci was a mathematician born in 1170 AD. One day, Fibonacci decided to tackle an interesting mathematical problem. He was trying to develop a mathematical description of how rabbits reproduce. And after making a few simplifying assumptions in terms of how long it takes for each rabbit to reproduce, how many, uh, how many new rabbits there are in each generation, he arrived at this, this rule where you add the, 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 the number of rabbits in the two previous generations to get the number of rabbits in the, the next generation. This is Matthew Pennybacker, but we'll get to him in a moment. So if a rabbit farmer applies this rule that Fibonacci came up with to his rabbit population, he can figure out how many rabbits he'll have with each new generation. So if he starts with one male rabbit and one female rabbit and applies this rule, he'll get a series of numbers called the Fibonacci sequence. I mean, it's pretty simple. You start with one and one and you generate a sequence of numbers by adding the two numbers previous to it. So to get the third number in the sequence, you add one and one to get two, and then you might add one and two to get three, and then five, eight, 13, and so on. Five plus eight is 13, 13 plus eight is 21, 21 plus 13 is 34. The sequence goes on forever. Now, obviously, this can't tell the future. It won't predict exactly how many rabbit babies are born with each generation. But it provides a good estimate. It's an accurate descriptor. And ultimately, it's still useful to the rabbit farmer. What Fibonacci did is what many mathematicians and physicists try to do. Find the fundamental rules that describe a system, and then you can use those rules to make predictions about the system and understand it better. And what's fascinating about these mathematical descriptions is that they can often be applied to many different systems. And that's exactly what happened with Fibonacci's sequence. In the hundreds of years since his death, scientists have found Fibonacci numbers in many other places in nature. I mean, even if you just go out to your garden and have a look at at the at the plants out there, what you'll find is that um, perhaps the leaves on the stem of the plant or the petals on the flower are arranged in a particular pattern. And as it turns out, the 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 numbers in the Fibonacci sequence itself tends to enumerate these these uh, these patterns. So the leaves around the stem of a plant might come in in fives, or the petals might come in threes, or some other parts of the plant may come in eights. 
and so on. The sort of more striking patterns are seen in, in spirals, like on the head of a sunflower, or on the end of a pine cone, or even on a pineapple. You see spirals in the bracts around the side of the pineapple. And then you might be able to count those spirals, uh, count the number of spiral arms, and you get even higher numbers in the Fibonacci sequence quite often. You might get eight spirals or 13 spirals, all the way up to maybe 55 spirals or 89 spirals. So far, evidence shows that the appearance of Fibonacci numbers in these plants is not just a coincidence. I mean, going back to the example of the sunflower, botanists over the past couple of centuries have done lots of studies um, and sent their graduate students out into the field to count the number of spirals on the uh, on the sunflower heads. And for certain species of sunflower, I mean, I'm not going to claim that this is universal, but for certain species of sunflower, the uh, the number of sunflower heads that exhibit these Fibonacci numbers are, are very high. I mean, 90 to 100 percent of the of the samples that they take. Fibonacci numbers are just one example of patterns that people observe in plants and in nature. And this is such a broad and interesting subject that people dedicate their entire careers to it. People like Matthew Pennybacker, who just completed his Ph.D. in mathematics at the University of Arizona and is starting a job as an assistant professor at the University of New Mexico. Recently, Pennybacker and his colleague Alan Newell published a paper on the subject of Fibonacci spirals and other patterns in sunflowers. So Fibonacci himself came up with a mathematical description of a physical system, rabbit populations. Pennybacker and Newell are doing the same thing, but for a much more complex physical system. They've come up with a mathematical description of the physical and chemical interactions that create Fibonacci spirals in sunflower heads. Our, I mean, our goal is not to try to understand all of the biochemical, biomechanical processes that are going on inside each cell. What we want to understand is what are the necessary ingredients. So we want to determine as mathematicians what is absolutely necessary in order for us to make the observations that are, that are being made. So people have observed these Fibonacci spirals in plants for hundreds of years, but it's only been in the past few decades that they actually started to look for a mechanism that could explain how those patterns emerge. The problem is we don't know, or at least they didn't know, of a mechanism by which instructions got from maybe the level of the DNA of the plant up to the chemistry that's going on in each of the cells, um, and then to the sort of size scale of the of the, the seeds themselves. I mean, the plant doesn't have something like an onboard computer to measure angles and look at distances between different seeds, things like that, sort of tell the seeds where to go. But over the last few decades, biologists have developed a good understanding of how these plant organs actually grow, and even how they might grow into those beautiful patterns. To start, the tip of a plant stem contains cells that are analogous to human stem cells. 
when one of those cells receives a heavy dose of a hormone called auxin, that triggers growth and the cell becomes a seed or a leaf or another appendage. But under normal circumstances, the auxin wants to spread out. It doesn't naturally clump together on the stem cells. Thankfully, the tip of the plant stem also contains a transport molecule, and that repels the auxin. And the repelling force is enough to corral the auxin into clumps that naturally attach to those stem cells and start growth. But what's really amazing, and what we need physics to understand, is that the presence of the transport molecule naturally drives the auxin clumps into those spiral patterns. So to understand this better, we look to a physics experiment that was done in 1992 by two physicists from the Laboratory for Statistical Physics in Paris. The researchers took a magnetized liquid and poured drops of it into a dish. So the drops were each like little magnets, and they repelled each other. But the rim of the dish was also magnetized. So when the drops entered the dish, they'd be feeling repulsive forces from multiple directions. And each new drop would move in a slightly different direction than the last one. And as the researchers poured the liquid in quickly, they saw that the drops arranged themselves into a spiral pattern. So this at least gives a basis to the theory that the spiral patterns in, say, the head of a sunflower could form as the result of the repulsive forces between the auxin and the transport protein. Now the biochemical system in the tip of a plant stem is much more complicated than a petri dish with magnetized droplets. But right now, Pennybacker and his colleague think they've succeeded in describing this system mathematically. Their results were published in a recent edition of the journal Physical Review Letters. So this is great for biologists because hopefully it will help them understand plant development even better. But the implications of this work go beyond plants. Because when scientists learn something about the development of plants, it can actually contribute to an understanding of human development. In fact, biologists have already recognized the similarities between these two groups. What we're proposing is that there are mechanisms somewhere in between the level of the DNA and the level of the plant that are responsible for um, the, the formation of structures during growth. So on a plant that might be the seeds on the head of the uh, on the head of the sunflower, on your body it, it might perhaps be the formation of your fingerprints. So I mean, we know that fingerprints aren't derived from from DNA. Uh, identical twins certainly have different fingerprints, but a similar sort of spontaneous process occurs during the the formation of your your fingers that generates the pattern that you see on your fingertips. Fibonacci was trying to come up with a description of rabbit populations, but the mathematical truth that he found appears in many other places, and that might be true of Pennybacker's work as well. 
the equations that Pennybacker and his colleague derived describe this dance between auxin and the transport protein, and they show that that dance can produce spiral patterns. But what surprised them is that the equations that describe that dance are very similar to the equations that describe convection. So that's the transfer of heat through gases or liquids. And it's a big part of how our atmosphere works, how clouds form and things like that. And that's kind of incredible because on the surface, these two things look like very different systems. I mean, on a plant, you're dealing with these biochemical processes. In convection, you're dealing with gas moving around due to buoyancy and other forces. But it turns out that sort of on a higher level, they obey very similar mathematical descriptions. And so it would sort of help to validate the model that we've created for plants. I mean, it would really say that this is the necessary ingredient because it's really the only ingredient that these two things have in common. The list of ways that these mathematical truths can prove useful just seems to go on and on. For example, the arrangement of seeds in the head of a sunflower is not only visually stunning, it's also extremely efficient. That arrangement packs the maximum number of seeds into that area. And that's good for the plant, but that can also teach humans something about packing geometry. One of the more remarkable things that I, I, I saw recently is that they were using these sorts of systems to develop a coating that goes on the surface of a hard drive platter to increase the, the density. And it's just uh, something that you would never even imagine that this could be used for. Now, there's something that should be pointed out here. It's fascinating to draw the connection between the Fibonacci sequence and these patterns we see in nature. But part of the reason that it's interesting to us is because those patterns are eye-catching. They're visually appealing to us. But that is totally subjective. There are many other patterns to be found in the physical structures and plants, and many of those don't strike our eye in the same way that those pretty spirals do. So we shouldn't assign too much significance to those Fibonacci patterns. That said, there's nothing wrong with looking in wonder at these things. What should add to that wonder is the fact that we've been able to decode the language behind those patterns. By understanding that language, humans have connected the arrangement of plant seeds to the movement of hot air in the atmosphere, to the ideal organization of information on a hard drive. Who knows what patterns we'll find next? You've been listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more Physics Central.